Hey. Uh, good evening and welcome to a special episode of the Irish NFL podcast. Uh, I'm Mark Cockrell, as always a ponderous Patriots fan, but thankfully with the, the body of a Greek god. And I'm joined as always by my two close friends, one Brian O'Leary, a garrulous Giants fan with the, the intellect of a gridiron guru. How are you, Brian? I'm good. Good evening, Mark. Good to see you. Uh, and also my friend Gordon Bridgefield, the uh, Surly Steelers fan with a, with a face for radio. Gordon, how are you doing, mate? Mark, good to see you. As you can see, I'm repping uh, the Falcons tonight. I said I'd break out the only bit of NFL gear I have in the house. Yeah, so I think, I think we're up to about six NFL teams, Gordo. By the end of it, you know, maybe if you get all 16, you'll get one that can win a Super Bowl for ever so often. So, that'll help. NFL, NFL matters. Good, good, good. <laughs> All right. Well, boys, we're here to chat about, um, well, the NFL in these strange times, to say the least. Um, what's happening, Brian, generally? Yeah, I suppose where, where's the starting point to see them? Uh, I think the focus would be around free agency, but I think you can't start free agency without talking about Tom Brady, your, uh, your beloved friend who is no longer with the Patriots. Um, he's moved on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was quite surprising in the end that he actually ended up in the Buccaneers of so many other teams touted. They had the Coles, the Chargers. But uh, that's really where I'd like to start, Mark, because for years you were ramming it down. Me and Gordon was choked about how great the Patriots were. But the dynasty, I think, has come to an end. Well, well, I'm, I'm shocked, Brian, you wanted to start there. I'm, I'm gobsmacked that you wanted to talk about Brady. Oh, how, how did I not predict that? Um, but yeah, like, I mean, Tom, six rings, Brady, who's as many rings as the Steelers have as a, as a franchise. So yeah, we, we can talk about Tom Brady if you want. Um, yeah, look, I mean, genuinely, you know, I'm a, 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 a massive Pats fan. I still can't believe it. I thought he would end up back in the Patriots. I didn't realize quite how deep, obviously, the passion was. But yeah. Um, I, I can't talk about this without kind of really getting worked up about how it's the end of an era. Um, so I, I don't know what, what to do. I actually um, wasn't surprised. Um, I've seen what Carter thinks now, but I wasn't surprised. I thought as the season progressed, you could see there was a disconnect between Belichick and Brady. I thought his performances came off the cliff to a certain extent as the season progressed. He yeah, just didn't look himself. Um, didn't really, again, obviously does the support around them wasn't probably good enough but um i wasn't i wasn't uh i wasn't surprised when they decided to move on yeah so I, you, go go no, sorry no you're right i i think it's actually an even bigger thing than just the brady i think it's the the gutting of the new england patriots over the course of the off season it's not just brady gone you've lost four or five key players you've lost obviously um your special teams coach who's now suddenly the head coach of the Brian O'Leary's New York Giants, which again is a strange one, but when you listen to everything that's been happening, apparently it's kind of the norm because it falls from the, the Belichick tree, so he must be good. But I think uh, the Brady thing was coming. I think everyone has known that for a while. There's this, there's an interesting piece that was put out there recently that Brady stresses that he doesn't care about legacy. That for him, that's not what it's all about. He just wants to win. He said it in a recent interview with um, Howard Stern, a two and a half hour interview, well worth you going uh, having a listen to that one, uh, Mark. But they made the point that Belichick definitely does care about legacy. He was with the only current NFL coach on the NFL 100 as well there in the offseason. No doubt you both watched it. And his knowledge and everything, he cares about legacy. So I think for him, 
he definitely wanted to move on once it became very clear that he didn't want to pin another two, three years to Brady because he thinks he can win without him. Well, I mean, obviously, he's already tried to replace him once, effectively, with drafting Garoppolo. Um, but the one that strikes me about Belichick is he said years ago he'd never coach into his 70s, like Marv Levy, the uh, famous Buffalo Bills coach. And now Belichick's, I think, 68, 69. And he's closing in closer and closer to Schumer's overall wins record. So I think we'll see in the next couple of years how passionate he is about it because does he hang on to the best end just to get the ultimate wins title and stuff it to the tuna? Um, yeah. It's possible. I, I must admit, the one, one of the underrated things is, I mean, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you have suffered to Tom Brady. I think it's on like 25-3 or 26-3 over the career. You've now got this great up-and-coming team. Sean McDermott, really good coach, really good defensive co- uh, team. Other than quarterback, which I still think is very iffy, to say the least, you know, you've got to be thinking, hey, finally, after 20-odd years, this is our time. And, Mark, and just on that, though, I think, just on that division, I think the Dolphins also have got a good chance this, this year. Three first-round picks, um, potentially drafting two, who knows if he's recovered from the injuries. They've done well in free agency. Byron Jones, cornerback Van Noy's coming in from the Patriots. Jordan Howard, running back from the Eagles. Shaq Lawson, they've done really well. Uh, they just need to get a quarterback and who knows if two is the man, if it will be two, or maybe Justin Herbert. But I know people are talking about the Bills, but I think the division could be quite open. Yeah, no, it, it could be really exciting in the FC East this year. And Flores did a great job. Another part of the brain drain, Gordon's alluding to from Patriots, obviously two years ago, um, kind of getting the most out of a very weak roster. Uh, last season so I think he's fleshed out his uh, his core he needs now the superstars and you're right QB is key uh, keeping on the QB angle for a while guys I don't want to just talk about Brady mainly because I might start crying um, but other big free agency moves at QB I mean we had Philip Rivers leaving the San Diego Chargers the only team he's known as you know uh, he's ever known inextricably linked to Eli of course being drafted in the same draft and famously swapped um and he obviously really 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 never wanted to move to la because he's now gone cross-country with his eight kids more mm. like unlike antonio cromati you can actually remember their names um and he's now an indianapolis cult i'll, I'll jump in there um yeah i'm i'm surprised in a sense obviously i understood the reason behind it in terms of he had the relationship with frank reich from his time in san diego but uh, obviously la then but I'm just not sure he's, still, he's up to it anymore. He, last year, he fell off the cliff. Um, the year before, yeah, he had a very good season, and I was expecting him last year. But I thought he was really poor. To get to 20 million a year in terms of what the offer was, of course, he's going to take it. But I really felt, well, I really felt that the Colts, obviously, there's a lot of bad blood there between the Colts and the Patriots to a certain extent because of the flake gate. And obviously, McDaniels was taking the job, then he wasn't. But I felt that maybe that that role really should have been moved up Brady. Should have been, they should have been under, it should have been under consideration. No, Mark, no? No. The day, the day Tom Brady wears an Indianapolis Colt jersey will be cold, cold day in hell. I don't, after everything he's been through personally, even against the Colts, I don't ever see that happen. And in fairness, you compare that to the Tampa situation, I'm not sold on their offensive line, um, but Tampa at least have Goodwin Evans, they've OJ Howard and Brait. You know, they've an exciting talent pool. Colts don't really live up to that. On Rivers, I just wanted to dwell on, I fully agree with you. I think he's done. I I thought it was a bizarre move in one respect. If the Colts can get one last good season out of them, 
then great, makes a lot of sense for them. But I have my doubts, to be honest. The Colts, um, the Colts are, are it's definitely a win now situation. I mean, they're after uh, trading the Raider, their first round pick with number thirteen to bring in the Forrest Buckner, who was very good yeah. defensive, and uh, for the San Francisco uh, for the Forty Nineers last season. So they've uh, they're going in now. It's all it's all or it's all or nothing now. They probably feel they can get close to the Chiefs. I think it's a bad sign looking at um, Jacoby Brissett. It kind of says it all for him um, that they bring in Rivers on a time like this. And I think, like, I think out of everyone, the Colts are in a position where they've got one of the best offensive lines in the game. You've got your man Jordy Nelson laughing in people's faces as he pancakes them to the ground. And I think they're kind of thinking that they can use Rivers, I suppose, maturity to win them more games than Brissett. And it's it's kind of a strange one because then kind of going, what's going to happen to him? Where is he going to move to? Uh, and for all the kind of quarterbacks out there, when it became evident that Brady, and I did think it would be interesting to see would Brady try and go there just for the crack. Uh, and when that was evident, it was never going to happen. And I'm delighted he's gone to Tampa because they also have one of my favorite head coaches and Bruce Arians, who is just one of the coolest dudes in the NFL. Uh, and I just think that's going to be an amazing, him coming out, just calling Brady baby every game is going to be amazing. So. Uh, I, I, that's what I'm looking forward to most and you know telling us how him and Brady are bros after a while but uh, the big one for me was the, the Teddy Bridgewater's uh, move to the Panthers I thought that was I think the Panthers in general are one of the more exciting organizations this offseason they've signed uh, Rule the college coach but not only have they signed him they signed him to a six-year deal um, and the rumor was he pretty much just or well, seven year was it sorry seven-year deal uh, and just before he signed it, he rang uh, your good old friends there, New York Giants, Brian, and said, lads, do you want to pay me? Because if not, I'm gone. And didn't even make it to New York for an interview. Yeah, yeah right there, Gordon. He was due in to do the interview. Um, all this speculation, all the reports, everything you read and listened to, you know, me, the fool, listened to every year I can get out of New York Giants radio, was that, um, yeah, Matt Rose, the man, he's coming. And uh, it, all of a sudden, there was a bit of a shocker today. I remember... Mark. Mark Tepper, the, the billionaire CEO, knew, knew how to get a man to, to move out to uh, Carolina. He's not, he, he's not popular with the other uh, owners in the, in the NFL now because he's literally coming out and spending money here, there, and everywhere. And yeah. he's, he's, up in the, he's up in the game, up in the ante for a lot of the other owners. But I think their, their acquisition of Teddy Bridgewater, for me, is a strange enough one because Teddy Bridgewater, Minnesota Vikings, starting QB, looked like he was destined for great things, but then injured, obviously. But really since his injury he's had five games with the New Orleans Saints yeah. so it's a big move Mark like I'm kind of like it's interesting but I, I'm not sure about it I, do, you know, do you know what it reminds me of a little bit is obviously remember Drew Brees going to the Saints in the first instance and the Dolphins passing on him because they thought his shoulder wouldn't recover from his time in the Chargers and they went with um, uh, Dante Culpepper instead and God knows that was a terrible mistake I mean um, and Miami's never well. They, he could have been the heir to Marino. I think the Panthers are taking the risk, absolutely. But I think they say, "Hey, he started five games. He seems back to fitness. Let's give it a twirl." At the end of the day, new head coach coming in seven. It might be six, six, seven year deal, long enough anyway. Um, if he doesn't work out, they'll draft high enough. They'll pick a QB. They've just inked Christian McCaffrey to massive money for a tailback, like thirty-seven mil, I think, as over four years. Um, which is a massive extension uh, for that draft class. I mean, 2017, there was Fournette, Camera, um, uh, McCaffrey. They're all just eligible for extensions now. And the Panthers have gone, he's our man. QB will figure out along the way. And maybe Bridgewater was the answer. Um, 
Some underrated moves actually worth talking about. And Brian, you touched on one. DeForest Buckner going to the Colts, making a scary defense even scarier. 49ers getting a really good return, given they have that four first-round pick DNs and DTs, which they wouldn't be able to hold on to long-term. So, you know, cutting back with probably one they wouldn't be able to re-sign. Um, but I want to focus on the trade before we continue on this quarterback challenge. So last year, the top three QB to wideout connections, Tom Brady to Julian Edelman, that ain't happening next year. Philip Rivers to Keenan Allen, that ain't happening this year. And then <laughs> to Sean Watson to Andre Hopkins, which for some bizarro Bill O'Brien reason will not be happening this year. Gordo, what the it, hell? It, like, I'm, I just don't understand Bill O'Brien. He frustrates me because I want to like him as a coach because he's one of those kind of old school coaches, but he just does stupid things. To give up the house for Larry, uh, Laramie Tunsil, uh, the left tackle last season, and then not sign him to a new contract. Yeah. So the simple fact is Tunsil is going to absolutely hold him to ransom at the next uh, contract uh, session. Uh, and then to give away DeAndre Hopkins and to get back um, uh, Johnson, the running back, who nobody wanted, who was just eating up cap on, uh, on their roster, just makes no sense. And then they've just traded for... Um, or they Brandon Cooks. Yeah, Brandon Cooks, wide receiver. Like, not even in the same stratosphere as DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so, and, and I think it's, he's been ridiculed. Bill O'Brien has been ridiculed by GMs, uh, execs across the league as someone that is, he's now going to be judged as a GM, not a head coach. Yes, his winning seasons as a head coach are brilliant, but as a GM, how is he managing a franchise for the next 10 years? And he's clearly not able to do it. So I think he'll get found out very quickly. Uh, okay. I actually agree with the trade, bizarrely enough. I actually think he's made the right move. And the reason being, um, Hopkins wants to get paid. He he knows he's going to have to pay two players in particular. You touched on it, Gordo. Uh, the the offensive line. Um, name escapes me. Tunsil, is it? Tunsil, Larry Tunsil. Yeah. So he's going to get paid, and Sean Watson's going to get paid. So they're the two priorities. He's not going to have the space to pay Hopkins. Hopkins is coming in. He, he wants to get paid. He wants to get paid. He's looking at what he has. He's brought in Randall Cobb. Can do a job. <clears throat> Agree with you on the Cooks trade. He's, have, he's had four teams now. He's concussions nearly every team he's been at. So it's a bit of a risky one. Um, they were very happy with Kenny Stills last year. They got him in from Miami. He did well. And Fuller is a very good wide receiver. As well as that, the draft, saying this is the best draft for wide receivers in years, they're estimating 21 wide receivers might go by the end of the, third, the, second, the third, second going into the third round. So he could be looking at it from that perspective. So, so let me let me challenge you back on that though, Brian. Even if you agree with the trade, and I fully agree with this, a great draft for wide receivers though. Look at the return he got. So yeah. we can compare what you know, the uh, the Vikings got for Diggs in the trade with Bills, effectively. Um, yeah, that, I yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah. But yeah. the Diggs, sorry, go on. Oh, who who's a far? I think we'd all agree is a far inferior receiver to the Hopkins. And Hopkins effectively was traded for a second, and they had to take. Johnson and 12.1 million of the salary cap hit as well, effectively in return. So I think I, I don't necessarily disagree with your logic. There's something to be said for it, but you should be getting a superstar return for a superstar. You shouldn't be getting chump change. Well, I guess 
I said there was some there was some elements that they were saying that he, certain teams he, they weren't going to trade him to. So basically, they're going to trade him away from from a team who's going to cause the least impact the most to the Texans during the season. So AFC, have to be an NFC team. Yeah, basically. yeah. And the Cardinals, with all due respect, are probably that team. Their their quarterback, Kyler Murray, is on a rookie contract, so they know okay, we're going to have to pay him, but we're certainly not going to pay him by giving up a, a number one and number one pick. So yeah, I agree with you. But as well as that, I think it's difficult to be comparing other deals because. If you were to ask me now what I think of the, the Stefan Diggs trade, I'd say that's ridiculous because, as you said, he hasn't been consistent for the Vikings. He set some great plays. The one when we were doing the, the podcast back in the day, which was the one yeah. in the championship game, the miracle trip to Miracle in Minnesota. But I don't, I don't remember much after that. He had the odd good game. But they gave away a first, a fifth, a sixth, and a fourth next year. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Four for one, and and very much overshadowed in Minnesota by Thielen in recent times. Um, but okay, I'm going to throw one last question to you, Brian, and I just want you to answer this honestly. Then, ODB or DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins? DeAndre Hopkins, because I, because when he turns up to play, nine times out of ten, his head is in the game, and it's become very obvious over the past few years whether he was playing for the Giants or even playing for the Browns. He's not, his, head is not, his head's not in the game. Yeah. Fact, I know it's not going to happen, but there's even been small kind of stories here, there, and everywhere that he was potentially going to go get traded back to, get back to New York after being pushed to get out of there. Obviously, he's going to go to the other team, Gang Green, but they can have him. But the last thing is, last year, after getting the big contract with the Giants, then he started coming out doing these ESPN interviews saying, I want out of New York, it's not for me. We have to pay him. Clear disrespect to the general manager and and the, the head coach who put his neck on the line for him. Goes to the Browns. He started kind of pushing back then on the Giants, saying, "You've sent me out here to die." But he didn't do much last year. Well, I'm I'm just comparing it as well. Look, the return the Giants got for him in very similar <laughs> circumstance to Hopkins. So, I'm I must admit I'm all aboard the Gordon show on this one. O'Brien as a general manager, like pretty hopeless as a head coach even with last year's playoff exit again he's still got room to prove but uh, Mark, we'll see maybe he's maybe he's maybe uh, he's outthought us all when he's got ahead of the game Mark the Giants got in fairness the Giants got a one a three and they got peppers to safety they did alright no that, that's what I mean it was a better return they did yeah. they did they did nicely they did yeah. nicely I, um, I do I do want to just say one thing so I know it's not on our list to, to mention it today but I, I do feel I have to bring up my my team, uh, the Cleveland Browns. I mean, the, which one? Which one? Uh, Browns. The Browns. The Browns. Uh, looking at some of the additions that they've made this offseason, the one that really excites me is signing of Jack Conklin um, on the offensive line, and I think it kind of shows a real clear upgrade in a position that was evidently poor last year for Mayfield. Again, jury still out whether or not Mayfield is the quarterback that everyone wants him to be. But the Browns have made some decent signings there and adding tight end Hooper as well uh, to kind of work alongside OBJ and Jarvis Landry. So that was kind of an exciting one for me. It feels like they've kind of, again, I say this every single year I speak about the Browns. <laughs> every year. It feels like, it feels like for once they are finally on potentially the right track. Um, but again, look, there's, I've been proven wrong every year to date that I've uh come out as a as a secret Browns fan but it was just that was an interesting one signing a, a, a tackle like that to the right side of the offensive line was just a very interesting move for me I think a lot will come down to uh, how uh, the new coach does uh, it's a, you know, uh, Stefanski brought in from the Vikings um, seems to have a good 
uh, reputation. You know, he's been linked for a few jobs. Even last year, he did a few interviews, and the, the Browns going to run out of people to to interview in the end. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody was going everywhere, and and they were then obviously McDaniel's was in. That wasn't going to happen. But uh, no, he he seems like the kind of guy that can do well. But again, you know, will he be able to handle all those people because? Freddie Kitchens couldn't. Yeah. O'Leary even got a call about the Browns job last year. <laughs> um, yeah, no, great great call out, Gordon. I mean, building up through the lines, I mean, it's been proven to succeed. And Conklin has you used to make a great pair with uh, Taylor the one uh, in Tennessee there. And, you know, I think he's a great talent. Had a couple of problems with injuries, but yeah, if they can get him rocking and rolling, eh, who knows? Maybe this time. Maybe this time. Um, I am going to flow back a bit to the QBs, though, because we're talking about the old school guys. I mean, we kind of touched on some of the exciting guys. I mean, we haven't we had a conversation about QBs, and because he hasn't been involved in free agency, we haven't even mentioned Patrick Mahomes. But you know, um, all credit to him, obviously, for an amazing another amazing season. Obviously, capped off this time with a ring. Um, we did touch on Deshaun Watson, but it's fascinating to me. We're about to probably get some really transcendent talents coming in in the next draft. Joe Burrow has just had one of the college years of the ages and is, you know, pretty much guaranteed by all accounts to go number one to the Bengals, Tui Gavola, uh, Justin Herbert. If you think about it, uh, and Brian, I'm going to throw this to you first, there's probably going to be the vast majority of the NFL starting quarterbacks now who are actually going to be on their rookie contracts. I mean, we're talking about Mayfield, Watson, Mahomes, people like this. I mean, um, yeah, Brady and Rivers are bringing up the average age, but it's a bit, bit weird in some respects. Oh, you're right there. The NFC is quite stable, but if you look at the AFC, um, I actually didn't look at it to see even um, 12 of the 16 quarterbacks potentially starting next year will be on lucky contracts. There's only four. Now, you could argue that Tyrod Taylor might start in, at the Chargers initially, and if they do draft Herbert, which seems to be the kind of the logical mm-hmm. one there, um, he may come in at some stage, or maybe he'll sit out this year, but um, on the basis he he does start, the only four remaining I could see is Rivers, Tannehill, and Tennessee. Big Ben, friend, good friend of Gordon's, and uh, Carr in in Oakland. Sorry, in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, <laughs> which isn't even a guarantee either, because you never know what Gruden. He goes every every everybody else's quarterback is the best quarterback for Gruden, you know. Um, but there you have it. Yeah, you got twelve. Um, the NFC, the AFC East. In fact, they're all going to be. You know, you've got. Potentially your uh, new guy, Stidham, Darnold, Josh Allen, Tua, potentially, uh, Sean Watson, Minshew in Jacksonville, Touchdown Mahomes, Herbert, Locke in, in, in Denver, uh, Mayfield, uh, Jackson in Baltimore. Can you remember the last one is? And sorry, yeah, you said touched on a borough start in, in Cincy. Unbelievable. Four established quarterbacks out of 16. So I'm gonna I want to throw this to Gordon, but like when we think about those numbers, okay, and yes, some of those quarterbacks have been in the system for a couple of years, but others they're gonna miss OTAs this year. Like if they're a first or second year quarterback, even like the OTAs, the whole build up in the season preparation is key to embed the scheme a bit further, increase their development prior to the season starting. You've got them. You've got new coaches like Stavansky and Rule that we talked about. We're going into programs and now, you know, with the situation we're all living in, which is why we're all at home on Zoom at silly hour o'clock at night uh, doing this together. I mean, the world has gone completely changed. But 
these guys can't get on with their day job. They can't properly prepare their program and take it things to the next step. So, you know, are we going to be dealing with everybody playing catch up and the guys with maybe the older lads are going to have a little bit of a leg up? I think, um, I think even outside of that, when you just take a step back, like there's talks of five quarterbacks being drafted in the first round uh, this year. Um, I think this could be one of those draft classes where anything and anyone could turn out to be a superstar and be a complete flop because I don't think, as you said, we're going through a period where there's been no pro days. Um, there are no visits. Uh, there's no medicals happening at the moment. So again, Cam Newton is out there at the moment uh, available. Nobody is willing to sign him because nobody can go and test his knee properly. So I do think you're going to look at organizations, and I think that's why Rivers has gone to the Colts because he's used that playbook. And I think for them, they're kind of going, we we could have stayed, tried to get younger, but we've gone for an older QB. I do think some of the teams with that older quarterback at situ are probably in a better position. But to be honest, I just think the whole NFL season is going to be a very strange one this year. I think literally anybody could win a Super Bowl this season, potentially just based on the logistics of trying to get a season up and running uh, come whenever the the end of the summer, um, because it's just in a very strange position. So I think... This could be a very interesting year for the NFL in general because I don't think there's anybody that really has an advantage because I don't know how you have an advantage when you just can't do everything you've done for the last 10, 15, 20 years. Mark, just a quick one on that. Um, if you're asking who does have the advantage, you'd probably have to say it's probably the obvious one with the Chiefs because they actually haven't lost anybody. Sorry, yes. They yeah. lost nobody in, in free agency on their offensive, in terms of their offense. They brought in Ricky Seals-Jones, a tight end. He was with the with the Browns and the Cards previously, and they brought in Rimmers, an offensive tackle that was with the Giants last year. But they've lost nobody. No one's gone out the door. So same same playbook. Best quarterback well, probably arguably in the league at the moment. Sure, yeah. maybe. They've and you've got that Browns. traditional, sorry, as you can say, you've got that traditional head coach there as well, who's had a few years in the system, and Andy Reid, he's seen and done it all now, obviously finally has his ring to cap off an amazing career. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it makes them – that's kind of my point. It makes them more of a runaway favourite for the OFC next year because everyone else is going to be embedding – Patriots embedding a new quarterback, you know? Some people embedding new coaches. Um, and they're all going to be behind on that preparation. And Gordon makes a great point about injuries. Deshaun Watson uh, – sorry, not Deshaun Watson, sorry. Um, Cam Newton can't get a deal because he can't go for medicals. Jadivian Clowney, still a free agent on the defensive side as well there now. Um, so, you know, the, these times are, you know, throwing up interesting dilemmas for people and indeed dilemmas for people then how they plan their draft strategy. I remember reading recently somebody saying that, well, tackles now, the four key tackles are likely to go very quickly off the board because you can assess them better over off just off the tape um, rather than having to do pro workouts and things like that. It's like, that's a, an interesting dynamic. Um, and I want to bring two historical reference points back for you guys, because you mentioned both there, kind of, Gordo. Four QBs tempted to go in the first round, or tipped to go in the first round. If I go back to Brady being drafted in 2000, I'm not going to do the Brady six, but I'm going to point out Chad Pennington went 18th to the Jets. That was the first QB. The next QB, Giovanni Carmazzi coming off in the third round. I mean, we do not live in times where we're ever going to see two QBs in the first three rounds ever again. Like, we, that's evolved. And uh, a strike, uh, well, not a, a strike Sean season, but the last time we had a Sean season, uh, go back to 81, Washington Redskins ended up in the Super Bowl. Mark Mosley, 
being the only place kicker to ever win MVP. That's the type of crazy stuff that could come up in the shortened season as well. So we'll see. Maybe it's Justin Tucker's year, guys. We just don't realize it yet. It, it, it is potentially on the cards of a shortened season. Um, like normally the uh, schedule would come out uh, this week, usually you know, the week before the draft, and they pushed it back to middle of May. So they're obviously not in any hurry with everything going on. But they're, by all accounts, the reasoning behind that is that they have basically said to the guys, you've put the schedule together, look, go back. Do a 10, do a 12, do a 14, do all the variants because the priority would be to play the divisional games. And then you flip flop between the games that you play outside of your division. And obviously, they've worked through exactly what they can do. But yeah, they're going to have these things in their back pockets if we do get to a stage where we're hitting October and, or November and they can still crack on with a season, albeit a smaller season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in terms of logistics, it's going to be crazy. I mean, I'm conflicted about the draft still going ahead personally i i can see the logic from a business perspective i think it sends a wrong message but god knows it's going to be a good distraction for us in terms of just entertainment value i'm sure although it, it, it's 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 worth noting though to be fair I, I appreciate it probably shouldn't be going ahead but it seems although i'm kind of conflicted on the nfl are going to the full extreme to try and abide by covid19 regulations etc so We've got Roger Goodell, who's going to be presenting the draft from his basement uh, in New York. I guarantee you it's not the sort of basement us normal folk would ever think about. Um, and then apparently every uh, exec with teams have had cameras, etc., installed in their homes. It doesn't feel very kind of social distancing happening to get all this set up. But it'll be an interesting one. Like, is in they're using obviously some form of a Microsoft setup as well, apparently getting every bit of sponsorship they can get out of it. Um, I think it'll be an intriguing one, but yeah, it's definitely not something that teams want. I'm so surprised that all the teams have abided to stick to everyone being in their own separate homes that no, or nobody's doing like a little, I don't know, um, tent outside the, the stadium just for the main people. They seem to be sticking with it, but uh, I think it will be a very interesting one. And look, it gives us something live to watch. And that I, <laughs> at this stage, I'd watch two, uh, two mice race or anything. It's just ridiculous. I miss sports. Hear you on that, mate. Hear you on that. Yeah, Gordon, the Belarus Premier League is still going, on, going ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you, can uh, crack on, you can crack on with that at the weekend. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I mean, kind of obviously follow um, uh, Sports Illustrated and ESPN and stuff, and they were showing highlights from, I don't know, I think it was the Vietnam Baseball League the other day or something. It was like a highlight of the day. And I was like, seriously, guys, we're stretching it now. We're stretching yeah. it now. Um, but it is a bit of a come down from the draft. And they were planning, obviously, it was going to be hosted in Las Vegas this year uh, with the dawning of the Las Vegas Raiders. And they were planning to have a podium erected in the Bellagio Fountain. And draft picks were going to be transported to the stage by boat once they've been selected across the fountains. And now it's going to be Roger Goodell's basement. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit different. But if he's yeah. got a fountain there, Gordo, as you say, it's not going to be normal. We, we, you know, it could be entertaining still. Players, players all around the college leagues are uh, jumping with joy, knowing they don't have to pretend to hug uh, Roger Goodell. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, Peter King, I was listening to one of his podcasts today, and he says Goodell's basement would probably be the size of half these people's homes. You know, <laughs> it wouldn't be like the run-of-the-mill basement that, as Gordo said earlier, that you that we'd expect to see. But uh, and he said they're going to have Zoom videos in the background when he's calling out every pick and fans' reaction to the pick. Fifteen 
lucky fans are going to be on Zoom in the background from each team. Sounds fantastic, doesn't it? So, so um, <clears throat> Philadelphia fans can boo in chorus over Zoom, uh, whatever Philly's, uh, Philly Eagles do. Fair enough. That um, kind of makes me um, kind of conscious, Brian. I suppose we've talked a little bit, uh, quite a lot actually tonight about the AFC. You know, on the NFC side, you know, 49ers, they've got a good return for DeForest Buck, uh, Buckner. Lynch and Shanahan seem to be building a multi-year program, which is always good to see, although two question marks remain over quarterback. Anyone else you really see bursting through based on the moves they've made in the off-season um, that you feel are real threats this year? I haven't seen any. I have to say, not really. Um, I thought most of the marquee signings were kind of more so on the AFC side, but maybe sometimes move from AFC over to NFC. But the NFC over the past few years has always been kind of, you know, up and down in terms of, you know, who goes to the Super Bowl. Like the 49ers are 4 and 12 to go to the Super Bowl. The last couple of years, everybody's been hot on the Saints. So you can argue that is the Saints still the best team potentially to go and get back to the Super Bowl? Like Green Bay wasn't convinced by them last year. They got to the championship game. They were blown out in the championship game, which kind of pretty much what everybody kind of thought would happen. Not you know yeah. because Fortnite at that stage were su- su- much superior. I, I, it's hard at the moment to kind of I, I I'd be I wouldn't get, go as far as say Fortnite are going to come back and go to the Super Bowl again. I'd still probably be leaning towards the Saints, but that's probably the very easy and snazzy pick rather than us looking outside at the, the books. I mean, Brady's gone down to Tampa now. He's gone into a very hot division. You know, the Falcons. I'm sorry, actually, I would say the Falcons. Sorry, Mark. I'd actually say the Falcons have done quite well in free agency. Dante Fowler's come in, um, brought him in. Um, Gourley, if he's on his game, obviously he's got injury concerns. They brought him in. They've uh, traded for Hayden Hurst, the tight end, so he's going to replace Hooper. So he, you imagine he'll be... You know, carried a load. He didn't really get a proper opportunity with uh, Keith Andrews in um, um, in Baltimore. So um, they've done all right. It's a hot division, though. That's out. Well, so I, I want to throw it over to Gordo in a second. But actually, on that, I was going to say when we talked about Matt Rule earlier on. I mean, how unlucky do you have to have your first gig to be in that division? And you're basically hit by news of, oh, Drew Brees isn't retiring, so he's coming back. So you've got to face him twice in a year. Tom Brady's decided to move into your division and. You know, even if he isn't the Tom Brady he was 10 years ago, he's an upgrade on uh, Jameis' turnover machine, Winston. Um, and then, of course, you have the Falcons, like I said, who have retooled a bit. I'm not as convinced they've taken that step change, but they've definitely retooled. I'm going to throw one random name uh, team out there, and then I'm going to throw it to Gordo. But provided Dak Prescott signs up, I think, how about them Cowboys? Because they've shorn up their interior run defense, which was one of their biggest weaknesses, um, with uh, signing to uh, Poe and um, and then another move in free agency. Sorry, I can't remember. Uh, what was it, Atkins? No. But anyway, they've, they've shorn up that interior. Yeah, the, the Cowboys are definitely a very, very interesting uh, kind of team this year, especially with Mike McCarthy now at the helm, who I think having a head coach like him, because I think the... Jason Garrett here was just one where we're just kind of going, he was that, you know, the the unloved son that the father just couldn't, you know, tell him he wasn't any good. Like, he was just terrible. Like, I've never seen anything like it to, for it to last this long. So for them to finally get Mike McCarthy, who I think anyone that's read about him prior to the season is that 
he basically did a kind of a, a John Gruden on it and set up a coaching clinic of him, his staffers that he believed in. And for the year, they acted like they were a fully operational coaching team doing day in, day out uh, analysis of what they did, what could they do better for this next job. And it seems to have rubbed off on Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and their head offices in Dallas Cowboys. So I'm really interested to see that one. And then also the signings of, so Gerald McCoy, uh, they brought on Haglin Dixon. Um, and again, they've lost Byron Jones, obviously, and Randall Cobb, etc. But it's, uh, I think it could be a very interesting year um, for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm really excited. I think Mike McCarthy is going to bring a cool-headedness to it, and they'll be a fairly efficient team, provided, obviously, they get to do their off-season workouts at some point. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for them. And the, the Todd Gurley one, for me, it's either it's make or break for Todd Gurley this year. The Atlanta Falcons have a really good front um, that'll protect him, that'll get him out into the open, especially as a pass catcher. Uh, and I, I smaller kind of point to make, but he's going to be playing on turf this year. He's going to be playing on AstroTurf versus uh, what he was playing on last year. And that might make a difference as well for a running back like him. It's just whether or not he's durable. So, yeah, two interesting teams um, from, from the off-season action. Mark, does that not kind of say it all about it, where the NFC is? Because, you know, as we discussed the AFC, you know, we I think we'd all agree there's probably three standout teams, the Chiefs, the Ravens and the Colts, arguably, if, as I said, they're a win now. So the yeah. NFC, you kind of think about it, you, you caught me on the hop with the question, let's think about it, you know, I couldn't just straight away say two or three teams that you'd be convinced. The Cowboys is a good show. They're, um, they're in a weak division. Um, they really should have won that division last year. They had more chances to win it. Just couldn't, they couldn't seem to put it away. Um, McCarthy's an interesting one, and I don't know if you got the opportunity to read when he was interviewing for the role that he actually stayed in, in Jerry Jones's house that night before he signed the deal, and they watched Top Gun together. So, you know, once you watch Top Gun with Jerry Jones, you're, you're definitely going to get the job. He, t- he turned around to him and said, Jerry, in the draft, I have need, the need for speed. Yeah. Uh, and to answer one, one more team to talk about, who we've kind of briefly mentioned a few times throughout tonight, is the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and what's happening there with now again, obviously DeAndre Hopkins going there, but Larry Fitzgerald and then Kyler Murray um, at quarterback. It's a kind of an interesting setup there. And he was a decent enough rookie QB, uh, even for the size of him. So will this be his breakout year um, with a kind of a two offensive threats like that uh, in the backfield? Yeah, I mean, they picked up Drake midway through the season last year and obviously Jettison Johnson now, who had that one great season, has never really replicated it. And air raid concepts seem to, they kind of made it make sense and they put up some serious yards. So I'm, I'm with you. I, look, I don't think they're going to do anything dramatically, um, but they're going to be exciting to watch. I mean, Murray was great to watch last season. I mean, there were times you watched it through, through your hands because their offensive line was porous, but you know, you get that right. They're, they're going to be fun to watch, which sometimes is what you need. You need a bit of fun. I'm not sure if I'm going to have fun watching too many NFC games, particularly involving Tampa Bay. But yeah. Cardinals games might be more fun. And uh, one one last one, uh, just for you, Mark, because I thought it was very interesting. Uh, one of the more the falls to the to the Bears trade or to uh, move. Great that, one. That I think that's one for you because I know you're. Oh, I'm a Nick Foles massive fan. Yeah, yeah. Him and Eli Manning are living my nightmares. Um, do you know what the funny thing about Foles is? He's one of these guys who's destined to be a perpetual backup and make a good living out of being a backup. I remember a few years ago, Charlie Whitehead, who did nothing. I think he only started about five games, but he made 30 million over his career just being a 
a prototypical quarterback. And Foles had that transcendent postseason run, obviously. He's going to cash in on that for the next 10 years, I would say. Somebody will still keep him hanging around and saying, well, he could step in, he could do a job. But what does it say about Trubitsky? What does it say about the Bears? Is it, are they bringing him in truly to compete, just push him on? Or is it just that we've lost faith in him, we need, you know, bring in the Foles machine? Um, very bad luck last season, obviously, um, in kind of we thought he'd settled and he'd won a great opportunity and uh, and then injury struck. So, uh, I don't know, I wish him well. You can't take it away from me. He had an amazing year that year, an amazing performance in the Super Bowl. People do overlook Brady actually set so many Super Bowl records in that Super Bowl and, you know, threw for more yards. He just clearly couldn't catch as well, yeah. which was part of the problem. It's a it's an interesting one for me because it opens up then as well the Gardner Minshew era in uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And as you can probably already tell, I am most definitely a Minshew fan. He is my style of a of a of a player. He uh he will chug a beer for you every day of the week and he's just a cool dude and uh I just enjoyed his honesty last year when he came in and he got some wins under the belt which nobody saw coming out of out of anywhere. And now that doesn't mean the Jaguars will not try and move up or try and get a QB in this year's draft but it was just uh, it was an interesting one that they're putting faith in uh, Gardner Minshew yeah um, I think there's a few out there that you and Jags are definitely one uh, that you kind of look at their depth chart at the moment and you go you're not seriously going into the season with that person as your starting QB um, yeah. and the Jags are definitely a, tar- a target on that one but he was entertaining last season but I think found out after a few games so uh, Mark, just a quick one uh, for yourself, actually. Dalton, James Winston. You know, is Dalton a runner to be in? Uh, I know, I don't think Winston is. I think Bill Belichick would definitely be retired before 70 if, if Winston was your quarterback. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dalton, you know, he kind of fits the mode in terms of what you look for, that kind of reliable type. I, well, I mean, I, I still wasn't convinced Patrick Brady was leaving, so I'm definitely not the person to ask. Um, yeah, Dalton could be uh, in consideration. I think... The Patriots played them enough, obviously, in recent times that Belichick knows what is there in Dalton. So if he's interested, he'll sniff around when he's eventually cut by the Bengals. Um, I'm more intrigued, and I I don't think it's going to happen, but Cam Newton to the Patriots would intrigue me, mainly because he's exactly the opposite of everything they've built up in terms of accuracy, but he's that great running quarterback. And what would Belichick do with a talent like that? How would he design some things? That'd be interesting. But it won't no, it, w- it won't happen. I think Scott Pioli came out and basically said that the two of them just would not be able to work in the same room. Uh, the Andy Dalton one, I, I, I actually would love that to happen. Uh, initially, when this uh, offseason kicked off, there was a rumor saying that Belichick believed that he was a good quarterback if only he was in a good situation. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's an interesting one. And then on the Winston one, um, Again, Winston and Dalton and Newton, the big thing is they're not going to drop down in terms of their wage demands. They're going to want a significant salary. Um, so I don't see the Patriots paying one. And out of those three, the only three I can consider who would take a pay cut for the chance of glory is Dalton, I would imagine. I, I don't think Dalton will. And I think that's ultimately why that won't happen, though, is because Belichick has seen... People you know, praise Belichick for lots of things. One of the things that sometimes goes under the radar isn't his work as a GM, it's actually his work as a salary cap kind mm. of guidance. He, he mastered the salary cap quicker than most. And I think he's seen the trend in the last while is if you've got that, and we talked about it, rookie QB, 
on a fixed salary, on a fixed scale, that's the time you can load up around them. So maybe it's not Stidham, and I'm sure they're going to do something in the draft around the QB position this year. But maybe one of those two hits, and you've got that cheap quarterback talent, and you then build up the assets around over the next couple of years. That's kind so that, of the way I see him thinking. That's, that's what the Chiefs have done. That's, yeah. Here's the model, you know. Mahomes is the model there, and everybody else is trying to copy that now, you know. Yeah, yeah um, I mean, look, the Rams tried it around Goff, you know, giving, I mean, Gurley and Cook's contracts two years ago were, I won't swear, they were they were crazy. They were somewhat um, unrealistic, and it kind of never seemed like they'd earned the whole thing. But they were doing it to load up then, make a big push, make a big push around Goff and see what they could do. And, hey, if they'd won the Super Bowl two years ago against the Pats, we'd all be saying, what an amazing idea. That was fantastic. Now it looks like they've got to blow it up and start again. So we'll see. Well, they fell off the cliff badly last year, didn't they? Really, they didn't. Uh, they never looked the same team. You know, they, yeah. they looked good in flashes, you know, but there was no consistency there. I, I remember seeing, a, 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 I don't know if it was a study, it was a philosophy that somebody espoused. They said, hey, what about if you took a team like the Rams, they built up a team around a cheap, rookie quarterback like Goff and you get into his fourth fifth year and what you do is you actually trade him and you buy another cheap rookie quarterback you never actually pay and you keep investing almost in that cycle for that four or five years and given the returns you get for a QB who's semi-established in the NFL it actually there's a degree of logic now no team's going to do it unless it's someone like a Belichick who's got so much kind of kudos and street cred he could do whatever the hell he likes as long as he doesn't channel Aaron Hernandez, you know, um, he'd be okay. Um, but it's an interesting philosophy. I'd love to see someone try it sometime, see how it goes. That's for when we become the GMs, guys. Yeah, yeah. Like the Irish NFL team. Yeah, I don't think we'll go all for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with all that being said, um, you know, looking forward to the draft, guys. I mean, I'm just trying to think because there's been so much water on the bridge. I mean, it, just even since last season has finished, is there anyone you think, just talking about this, that kind of, other than Bill O'Brien, other than the obvious suspects, is there anyone below the radar you think they've just walked off the deep end? Like, what the hell are they doing in terms of a, a team, a GM, or a player even? I mean, we've all had a, a few dubious players from time to time, but, you know... It just feels like the, the, the NFL is never the NFL unless there's people succeeding, but also people failing. And now the Browns, as Gordo's alluding to, are coming to a degree of respectability. The Bungles did mess up their season last year, but hey, they're about to take Joe Burrow. The Dolphins are even getting an idea together. Like, who took the direction the wrong way and is now going to be the laughing stock going forward? I think the three kind of teams that kind of stand out to me that I'm not going to be the laughing stock, but three teams I'm really questioning this year moving forward are one, the New York Jets, uh, two, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, and three, kind of a surprise one, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, with all three kind of franchises, my big thing with them is I don't fully understand what they're trying to achieve or what they're trying to do. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing. I think in the New York Jets, they have a head coach, and Adam Gase, who is an absolute fraud. Uh, and there's no, there's no other way of stating it. He is an absolute fraud. And I think he's going to get found out sooner rather than later. Um, but the problem is they're wasting money on players that just is wrecking the future of 
uh, a Q young QB there who could be good, but I don't think we'll ever find out. Uh, and then with the Las Vegas Raiders, you've got a guy running the show who just, I think he just, he's a gunslinger. He just wants the thing to blow up. He, uh, again, treating players in a way that just doesn't really make sense for me. And with Philadelphia Eagles, they just don't seem to be really sharp or on the pulse whenever they have a need that arises is my biggest thing. I, can't, I don't want to talk too much dirt about the Eagles because I do like them, but I just think they don't seem to answer the questions that they need filling when it comes to certain positions quick enough and are very slow off the mark. And I don't fully understand why. And there's also that question about Wentz. Is Wentz the player that he was projected to be? So they're kind of my three quick fire ones anyway. I would agree with you on the Jets, Gordo. Um, I think Gay is like towards the halfway stage of the season. They were trying to run him out of town. They finished the season well, uh, six and two. But if you look at actually some of the teams in which they played in that period, they were quite poor teams. So, you would have expected them to win those games. Um, the Eagles, the Eagles are up there. You're right. It's 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 on Wentz. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's on Wentz. You know, can he stay? Can he stay healthy? You know, he's continuously getting injured. Even that playoff game. You know, he was gone before the end of the fourth quarter. You know, so it's difficult for the Eagles fans to really know whether he would have went down and won that game. You know, he's on, he's always going to have that pressure now with fouls. The fouls are looking in the background, albeit it was a short period. They went on to win the Super Bowl. That really should have been Wentz doing it because he was the young quarterback that came out, had the great season, Foles took over. So, yeah, they're a bit iffy. And as I said, the division last year was poor and they still only managed to win it, scraped it, scraped over the line. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles, I'm I'm not as adverse to them as you guys are expressing. I mean, Brian, for obvious reasons, isn't a big fan. I should hate them more than I probably do. But, you know, I think Harry Roseman over time has earned a bit of trust in terms of how he's built up teams. But... You know, last season, cornerback, and last couple of seasons, cornerback's been their massive weakness and their massive kind of deficiency. Um, and I still don't think he's resolved that. And the one thing I will say in agreement with you, though, is what are they doing? Their offensive identity is kind of fading away fundamentally, and I think that is intrinsically linked to Wentz. And is he going to be injured again? And what do we have with him? And, you know, you, we mentioned Andy Dalton earlier on. There's going to be a lot of teams interested in Dalton, even as a really solid backup, a bit like the Saints had with Bridgewater last year, and say, hey, come with us, come in as a backup, build up your career again, and um, we'll see how it goes. And the Eagles would be an ideal landing spot for him because you're almost guaranteed a few games when Wentz inevitably gets injured again. And who knows, you could do a Nick Foles-type career resurrection. So, I, I think, yeah, Mark, the Foles, Dalton... Foles gone to Chicago and Dalton, obviously we don't know where he's going to end up. But I think a lot of teams are looking at the, the Tannehill situation in Tennessee last year where he came in, you know, he could have had bad press in, in Miami. People didn't think he really was a quarterback of any great capability. He went in purely as a backup for Mariotti, took over. You know, their season, their, their whole dynamic of their season changed once he came in. And I think teams are looking at that now. And I think even Las Vegas Raiders are looking at it. And ironically enough, it's Mariotti. He's gone there now as the backup to Carr. You know, how long before Gruden is taking care of the game and Mariota's going in? Yeah, different strokes for different folks and they'll work in different systems and arrangements. And Tannehill still isn't the answer. You know, two playoff games with less than 100 yards passing, that was a offensive line of Derrick Henry, a run, to, to be honest. But he managed the game well and sometimes you just need that game manager. Um, God knows Brady was that at the start of his career. Many good half decent quarterbacks Trent deal for one Super Bowl with the Ravens that way as well being a game manager so and that's yeah, why uh, credit to him and he got a great contract so fair play to him well you just touched on Brady as a game manager that's the thing that's why I felt the move was strange going to 
I know we're coming back to Brady again, but the move back to ta- to town to Tappa, I know there's a lot of decisions outside of the game in terms of he wants to be close to the families on the East Coast. It's, it's a quick two-hour flight, you know, get all that. But, uh, you know, as Gordon touched on, he loves the head coach and that head coach loves to play t- attack-minded offense and get that ball down the field and go after That's your enemies. Yeah. And, uh, the, the two very good tight ends there and it's a very explosive offense, which you could put up a point as to why Winston was, was throwing interceptions because the risk assessment was always there. Let's go for it. And Brady, he's not, I don't think he's capable of doing that anymore. I think he's more of a dunk and dive and screen pass opportunities. And if the players aren't available, the ball's in the door, and we'll move on to the next play. But you see, that's why I do think he's interesting because Evans is a great possession receiver, regardless. So he doesn't get enough credit for that. And you've got the two tight ends that will help him dink and dunk. So we'll see. But yeah, hey, and do you God know what? Maybe. Without a wide receiver. What's that? And Godwin at wide receiver. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. I'm not even mentioning Godwin because it's kind of see him as the, almost like the, the, I'm not going to compare him to Randy Moss, but that type of taking the top off defenses, scaring them with his speed, drawing the double coverage, or drawing at least safety cheat help across. So, you know, it's not a bad scenario. Look, guys, I actually think that's probably a good spot, unless anybody's anything else to lock it in. We started with Brady. And so, you know, as everything, you know, the man's only been part of 20% of the NFL's 100-year career. He's only competed in nine Super Bowls. He only won six of them more than any other player in existence. So, you know, it's probably appropriate to end with him. Um, and look, I mean, you say he's competitive. Like, he's channeling Dylan Thomas. He's saying, do not go gentle into the good night. Old age should burn and rave at the close of day and rage, rage against the dying of the light. And that's what Brady's doing. He's raging down in Tampa. Gents, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, we'll wrap it up. Gordo, any final comments? Oh, I've missed those quotes. No, what a good, what, great, great show to kick it off. Good man. Brian? No, yeah, you, as always, you have something nice to, to wrap up the show with. Hopefully we can catch up again after the draft and have Absolutely. a good discussion. Absolutely, guys. We'll do one after the draft. Been a pleasure to wrap it up again and uh, take care of yourselves and talk soon. See you all. Bye-bye.